0: You are Dr. Haywood Floyd? This is my good friend, Dr. Haywood Floyd. I'd like you to meet Dr. Kalinin. Uh, how do you do? Dr. Sretneva. How do you do? How do you do? And
1: this is Dr. Andrei Schmislov. Oh, how do you, do you do? You were responsible for the Discovery mission. It was a failure. Someone had to be blamed, so it was you. You like being a teacher? I don't think I like you. Have had you checked Discovery's orbit lately? What? Have you checked the orbit? What about it? You know damn well we've been checking it. I have enjoyed our little chat. What is it you're not telling me? You are a smart man, Dr. Floyd. You will know what to do.
2: You've double checked this? Please say you haven't.
1: You aren't saying anything, Floyd. Something incredible is happening up there. Discovery is being pulled towards Io or pushed away from Jupiter, whichever. Sometimes it seems to be accelerating, and other times it just seems to stop. I've never seen anything like it. Here we have our quandary. We are going to get there first. Yet you have the knowledge to make the trip work. How much more time do I have? You just got yourself an extension.
2: How was Washington? Fine. You're tired.
1: I'm going on the flight. What? Four months.
3: Where are you going, Daddy?
1: On a long trip.
2: for something you thought you did wrong
1: but didn't do right and now you're looking for absolution you
4: know you could get yourself killed
1: i'll be scared enough for both of us it's the proportions
2: one by four by nine they're perfect even
1: when carried for six decimal places the small one on the moon, we encountered exactly the same proportions. 149, the squares of 123. Dr. Floyd? Yes. The response is, I was David Bowman. Can you see the antenna complex?
4: <laughs>
1: what condition is it
4: in? Phenomenal. Christ, this thing is
1: Fifteen
2: meters. Look straight ahead. The center section is hardly moving. That's where
0: we'll crack home. Ten meters. You're doing great. Come now. That is
1: obvious. Someone must return to Discovery.
0: That
4: person should be you. I I agree. Good morning, Dr.
0: Chandler. This is Hal. I'm ready for my first lesson. Something's gonna happen.
2: And I wanted to say goodbye. What's gonna happen? Something wonderful.
1: the telescope on the monitor 20 seconds Sandra, get the hell out of there i may not be the swiftest guy in the world even when i'm not hungover but i do seem to remember a process where you people ask me questions and i give you answers and then i ask you questions and you give me answers and that's the way we find out things i think i read that in a manual somewhere
2: a lot has happened while you have been asleep it is not our choice
0: The problem in Central
1: America is growing worse. This is a very bad business in Central America. Very bad. We didn't start it. We are scientists, you and I, Dr. Floyd. Our governments are enemies. We are not.
2: So, here we are on your actual prank my agency is going to become a part of the military i got a president with his finger poised on the button and you want me to walk across the park and tell him we want to hit your ride with those very same russian have i missed anything that's about it i didn't want your job you know i'm not the one that forced you out i didn't blame the whole thing on you so if this is your plan to try to get me killed you got the wrong
1: guy this looks as if you've detected the presence of chlorophyll.
2: The United States is threatening a naval blockade.
1: There's nothing but ice down there, so how the hell can there be any chlorophyll?
2: You know and I know that my country cannot allow a blockade.
1: How fast is it moving?
2: We are under instruction.
1: Listen, just because our governments are behaving like asses doesn't mean that we have to. We're supposed to be scientists, not politicians. How fast?
0: Dr. Floyd, I am also an officer of the Soviet Air Force. How oh, fast? Yes. That's
4: sir.
1: such chase,
2: 24 out
3: there.
1: My God. It's full of stars. How do you feel? Shaky. Hungry, I okay, think. Nothing can close.
2: I agree that we need more
1: information. Okay. Now you better
0: talk quickly. Keep talking all the time. All right, Leonov. I'm sealing the visor. I'm swinging
1: the faceplate upward. There's oxygen here. wonderful. Welcome to Voice Print Identification. It's...
3: 2001. A Space Odyssey. I'm Wes. I'm Brad.
1: A fabulous bird reborn from the ashes of its earlier life. Max, how do you say
2: chicken? Thank you. You are cleared through voice print identification.
1: Yes, I agree.
2: Open the pathway doors,
0: please, help. Just one moment, please. I'm sorry for the delay. My voice recognition circuits are not completely
3: restored. man i'm really excited about 2010. Me too it's gonna be cool it's
4: gonna be fantastic
3: i had never seen not outland i've seen outland there's a, oh capricorn. There's capricorn yeah what'd you think of that i haven't seen capricorn. oh yeah not watched it yet i haven't seen capricorn <sighs> okay. i would
4: be interested to see what you it think it looks about that one. great
3: i mean i feel like i've seen it just from the guys, you know because mm-hmm. just been talked about and referenced so much and i'll be interested to see uh it's it's kind of the opposite you know it's kind of the antithesis of 2000 yeah <laughs> it's like wait none of this technology is real yeah <laughs> this is all just a sound stage.
0: you know who is at the launch today not the president the vice president that's who president was busy <laughs> you're not busy He's just a little bit scared. He sat there two months ago and put his feet up on Woodrow Wilson's desk. And he said, Jim, make it good. Congress is on my back. They're looking for a reason to cancel the program. We can't afford another screw up. Make it good, you have my every good wish. Is every good wish. I got his sanctimonious vice president. That's what I got. And so there we are. After all those hopes and all that dreaming, he sits there with those flags behind his chair and tells me we can't afford a screw-up. And guess what? We had a screw-up. A first-class, bona fide, made-in-America screw-up. The good people from Con Amalgamate delivered a life support system cheap enough so they could make a profit on the deal. Works out fine for everybody. Con Amalgamate makes money. We have our life support system. Everything's peachy. Except they made a little bit too much profit. We found out two months ago it won't work. You guys would all be dead in three weeks. It's as simple as that. So all I have to do is report that and scrub the mission. Congress has its excuse. The president still has his desk and we have no more program. What's 16 years your actual drop in the bucket? All right, that's the end of the speech. Now we're getting to what they call the moment of truth. Come with me. I wanna show you something.
4: The movie doesn't claim that there wasn't a space program, but it does claim that the risks were too high to continue on the schedule that they were set with the budget that they had. In order to keep their budget, they had to keep on schedule, and there was no way to send a mad mission without killing everybody on board, so they had to fake it in order to get the time and the budget, which was coming out and being written and produced at a time when right after... Skylab as we learned a few weeks ago they were feeling the crunch and couldn't keep up Skylab had to let it crash down yeah. on the you know plan the orbit because they couldn't do that in the space shuttle people weren't interested in funding the space program saying like, oh moon been there done that yep. got the t-shirt yep. what's fascinating to me about Capricorn one is it's a perfect distillation of that that sense of futility with the public and also the burnout that the country was in mm-hmm. you know this is at the this is coming out right after the alan pakula one-two punch of all the president's men and parallax few with warren beatty two of the greatest conspiracy thrillers of all time one of them 100 percent based on actual yeah. facts of the government the best twist i i think capricorn one is what happens to OJ's character and elliot gould's characters because in some ways it's kind of like an extended twilight zone episode of what if what would happen so to they them. have actual like they have arcs each one of them you know like really we set off on the we we put you you know in the first few minutes this is the story and it takes off and then you get to follow them on how they cool. handle it that's pretty cool yeah. i'm excited to see yeah And Outland I watched last week again. Oh, did you? Mm -hmm. Outland's so much fun. It really is.
1: In a mining town, on the second moon of Jupiter, something deadly is happening.
4: Pretty soon you'll see that this is just like every other mining town. I work these people hard and I, uh, I let them play hard. There's never much trouble.
1: We're all professionals. I'm sure we are. is still
4: man. There's so much was going on at the same time as Blade Runner that I almost wonder if Blade Runner nicked a few things from Outland Mm. because it was a year earlier very possible and even though Blade Runner was in production for like <laughs> 70 years <laughs> it's still possible because Peter Himes was so I mean you look at Outland it's so alien it is so directly like Jerry Goldsmith Ron Cobb the look of the spaceships the lighting the the lighting work, especially yeah the uniforms yeah it's, yeah it's got a lot going of feedback I think going on between the Scots and and Hyamses and Parkers of the world in the 80s. And, like, who can underexpose each other <laughs> like who can out black the blacks of the corners of your frame <laughs> what's, what's the least amount you can see what's the fewest number of light sources we can use to make the most dynamic composition and that's peter heim's excellence right because he was a cinematographer before he was a director from what i've seen all of my favorite
3: ones it seems like he's written and directed yeah so i mean he's he's definitely
4: got a jack of all trades he really sort of thing going. Yeah. He really is. He? And, and he's got a point of view. Like, if you know it's his work, say, like, oh, well, that makes sense. You know, There are themes, there are ideas, there are looks, characterizations that hmm. follow a pattern.
3: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to explore. It's
4: going to be so much fun because it's like he, he applies a working man's Kubrick approach. And by working man and blue collar, what I'm saying by that is not like a class thing. His characters, whereas Kubrick would revel in making us relate to people that aren't relatable yeah hymns especially
3: with Heims casting of floyd
4: yeah roy scheider
3: scheider interesting choice yes i love roy scheider so much and he's he like he's got it's almost like james bond energy or something i don't know what it is it's like the weird
4: he's so charismatic just naturally yeah
3: i mean he he's dripping charisma but he, he really gets in there and he does
4: so. he makes it his own and in the behind the scenes on 2010 it's fun watching some of the shots of him trying to stick the pencil up in the air to float and it's on a piece of tape sticking it to the <laughs> glass and he can't do it and all these times like, God damn it. but every time it's like he's giving that reading yeah. every time it is that reading now, he could give a million readings if we wanted to be here all day, but he's a professional yeah. and they've decided that's the one we're gonna go with. And so however many times Periods. it takes me to get that stupid what a machine. <laughs> pencil stuck up there, I'm gonna be in that moment. Among the many challenges facing the 2010 crew was creating the illusion of weightlessness. In this
0: scene, Himes and Scheider attempt to show ordinary objects afloat in zero gravity.
1: You if you if you correct the axis of it To put it there It'll look like you're placing yeah, yeah. it there gotcha. We have enough fuel in Discovery For a launch <laughs> We have enough fuel in Discovery For a launch You have enough fuel in Leonov For a trip home enough. Got it. You have enough fuel in Leonov For a trip back home you, you have enough fuel aboard the Lyanov for
3: the trip home. Uh, <laughs> I'm so amazed by this. In the span of his career, mm-hmm. he's he's kind of like at his apex, right? Mm-hmm.
4: I mean, starting you know with Jaws yeah we had no. jaws we'd had sorcerer we'd had all that jazz all that jazz we won an oscar i think she well, nominated at least Jesus so fossey you know really rocketed mm-hmm. at this point and
3: it's interesting to to get him cast in a, a sequel that no one really like asked for uh-huh. or necessarily or knew anything about had ready to go mm-hmm. you know they interview himes and ask him like does
4: kubrick know about this apparently he wouldn't but do it unless kubrick kubrick was,
3: uh, and apparently from what i saw what kubrick told him was just do your own thing man mm-hmm. like don't even worry about 2001 not not like don't shit on my film right but,
4: <laughs> but, <laughs> but don't be but, don't try to be me be you, you but know?
3: yeah 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 he, he was really wanting him to to have his own vision of it which is, is why
4: like. this is a modern masterpiece. And, and yeah. Because I mean, it's delivered at the absolute high A production level, bar none on every element. They yeah.
3: even juiced the pocketbook a little bit.
4: It was not a cheap production. It was like a little under $30. Yeah. Million or I something. think so. That was in line with what was spent on Jedi, I think. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Jedi, I think, was maybe $40. Jeez. But, but it's between Empire and Jedi level, I think, probably. And. Oh, man. They, they built some sick sets and props and jetpacks. All the set dressing is yeah.
3: immaculate. I mean, it really does look good.
4: It's that source lighting that they were employing mm. originally, but it's also something fresh. It's something new. It's 80s up, you know, where there's more contrast. Yeah.
3: I, I noticed even the the displays that they use for comms and navigations and all that, has it definitely looks a little more color
4: Mm. it reflects more colors off of other
3: objects like it's projecting a little bit more maybe the screens that they're using the type of crt and Mm
4: -hmm. yeah absolutely just it looks very crt it looks very visceral it's a real looking screen instead of having to project moving images yeah which ironically (laughs) makes them look in the restoration especially more modern like it's modern looking, flat screens it looks incredible whereas yeah. the 2010 screens do look like regular crt's but i mean we were born in the 80s so that, that yeah. looks more natural it looks to us. Real. <laughs> yeah the, the crt's
3: like, that's believable okay put a <laughs> magnet near that <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah plug a console into it you actually be able to get a pixel perfect gameplay situation going yeah
1: afternoon, Sal. Do you uh, have anything for me? No, Dr. Chandra. Do you have anything for me? I, uh, I would like to open a new file. Here's the name for it.
3: Do you know what that means?
1: There are 25 references in the current
3: encyclopedia. Which one do you think is relevant? The tutor of Achilles. <laughs> It's very interesting. I didn't know
4: that one. I feel like a lot of people are discovering this movie for the first time since streaming. Yeah. I don't think this was something
3: that you would even see on an end cap on a $5 DVD.
4: I mean, yeah, because I, I don't probably because nobody sold their copy when Which they had it. I was going to ask, one.
3: do you have a 4K copy of this? I, or, I don't um,
4: know if there is a 4K. I, um, sure. I do have the Blu-ray. Mm and i bought the original dvd when it
3: came out i I think that's an excellent point because i mean i think it was relatively profitable too yeah it it kind of
4: did well well received critics and audiences and nominated for oscars richard edlund was nominated for best special effects the year after return of the jedi Mm. yeah so it's just
3: strange that it i mean i get it it's not going to be another 2001 sequels rarely are and that's not what was really intended here but, but just it's, on its own merits yes. you think it would have been able yes. to stay in the pop culture of classic sci-fi yeah. what, is that does that make sense absolutely
4: that it's like if people want to say that 2001 is the ultimate cinema then 2010 is like it's, an all-time it's a the it's storytelling, a Stone is Cold so, classic movie.
3: Yeah, it, it, the narrative and the pacing. It's more, it's more like than, a traditional yeah.
4: storytelling. Uh, but it's th- done as the best a movie can be. Yeah, it's not in itself an abstract narrative, but it has the boldness to go abstract and go Kubrickian and go Clarkian. Most importantly, when it wants to, because it was I written think, in conjunction. With yeah, the, book. the the science
3: is really what's so grounded about it and I really want to see references and influences and if they had anybody on set to kind of help guide them through some of the decisions. And yeah. Heim's got proceeding. the galleys
4: when he went into the meeting at MGM. They gave him the, the galleys of the book that had not Dang. been published yet and he's yeah. like well I, I will do this movie on two conditions. One that I'm able to get in touch with Stanley Kubrick and he says it's okay. The number two is if Clark will let me change some things. And we talked about in an earlier episode how they used the very first version of email with these yeah. ancient <laughs> IBM laptops that Roy uses on the beach in That's the movie. True. That's the one that they were using to type the script back to each other in uh, these machines in Sri Lanka in L.A. Yep. The monumental task of bringing
0: 2010 to the screen began in May 1983 when writer-director Peter Hyam started work on the screenplay. During the script-writing process, Hyams and Clark exchanged ideas via computer link-up between Hyams' office in Los Angeles and Clark's home in Sri Lanka.
3: I was, uh, of course, very interested in seeing what the screenplay would be like as compared to the novel. And indeed, he had done one or two things which if I've told him at the time, I would have probably incorporated in the novel. Maybe the best way of collaboration is for the two people on opposite sides of the world not to see each other until it's all over.
4: You haven't come on to the table, Christopher. They're hungry. Then you go in the pool and tell them to come to the table. I've got spaghetti here. I don't want to go to waste. Can you imagine what it was like for Peter Himes? It's like you know. I think. Uh, I think maybe there should be some. It'd be great to have dolphins. What if they have dolphins in their living room in like the kitchen? Yeah, I just write sure, it. Sure. Okay. Let it be. <laughs> there it is. What an amazing uh, creative
3: process! But you've got to be really reined in Mm -hmm. to make that
4: work. Yeah, because you would easily you could blow a budget. Totally, the more you spend, the longer it's going to take to go into profit. Yeah, and they didn't skimp. They didn't cut any corners. Spared no expense, but they didn't indulge either. But yeah, the the constraints. were
3: you know not to the detriment of the film yeah because what you end up with are a lot of scenes where you get intimate dialogue exchanges Mm. between characters that are meaningful and really well acted yeah um not everything has to be like these huge cinematic shots with all these moving parts it can just be characters fleshing out their ideals and and motivations and And
4: that's what makes it so powerful because ultimately, this is if if the biggest criticism in the critical community about two thousand and one is that it's cold or that it's sterile or that it's not humane or it's mm-hmm. not you know humanistic, then two thousand and ten is the flip opposite of that, where it's all about Absolutely. unabashed earnestness, heart, and about peace. I mean, the finale of that movie is only as beautiful and evocative as it is because it's been all about life and death and humanity and relationships. And you
3: see, you know, especially like humanity reigning over all because the way that the Americans and the Russians are able to look past their political Mm -hmm. quandaries and and actually (laughs) be actual humans to one another and, and everything just kind of those superficial problems Fade away so quickly when you're together yes. put in a situation that would call for a group effort like that.
4: The last line use them together, use them in peace. That's what it's all about. This is the most
2: difficult announcement. As you know, things have not been going well back home. while well, it's gotten worse, a lot worse. The United States has broken off diplomatic relations with Russia. All ambassadors have been recalled. The Soviet ambassador has been expelled along with the entire staff. All American air defense and satellite defense forces are on full alert. Premier Yulanova made a televised address and said that technically a state of war exists between our two countries. All American personnel are ordered to leave Soviet territory immediately or they will be placed under arrest. All Russian personnel are similarly ordered to evacuate American territory. As a result, by direct presidential order, the three of you must leave the Leonov. No Russian citizen is allowed to remain on or is allowed to enter the discovery. This order is effective immediately. Only communications of an emergency distress nature are allowed between the Leonov and Discovery. I know you people are caught in the middle of this in a sense. We all are. I wish there was something I could do. The only thing left for us is to pray. Pray for the safety of our families, for our countries, for our planet. May God forgive us and protect us.
4: Who would have thought that when we were doing 2010, that would be so prescient? Or just when we started the show, the the whole situation with Russia, you know, would yep. actually that that would be as potent now as it was because we grew up watching this movie and loving this movie, and we grew up with it just like loving and watching The Abyss, with that being a historical subplot, not a contemporary <laughs> issue that we had to think about. No. I
3: feel like most of those films had some kind of Cold War (laughs) I mean jeez even yeah even the Bonds you know then and oh goodness
1: that's dayton comrade you don't have it I don't have it.
2: There was something down there. It was organic. There was life. You don't know that. I believe that. What are you suggesting we do? We
0: should send another probe.
2: We are getting farther away from Europa. It would be difficult.
0: Can we slow down? No,
2: we don't have the fuel.
0: How do we know that the same thing wouldn't happen again? Electrostatic
1: build-ups don't occur that often. It wasn't any buildup.
2: Or oh really, Dr. Floyd? And just what do you think
1: it was? A warning. Oh, there's something down there, all right. We all saw it. We read the data, and we know it's there.
4: I don't think it's electrostatic, anything. Anyway. I think something wants us to stay away from Europa. Who would have guessed that it would be so prescient for us in 2010 year for the Europa Clipper.
0: Europa, that shiny little moon that belongs to Jupiter, has been an object of scientific interest for a very long time. Its icy crust likely hides a deep, liquid saltwater ocean with far more water than is even here on Earth. And most scientists believe that the ingredients and conditions necessary to support life are there too. Now, the Europa-Clipper mission won't be the first mission to look at said moon, but it will be the first entirely dedicated to helping us better understand this intriguing member of our solar system family and its potential for hosting a potentially habitable environment.
4: Uh The big, uh, all the action in 2010 takes place in Jupiter and Europa. Guess what we got in the email?
3: There it is.
4: Back in the summer, and we posted on socials. Destination, Jupiter orbit, Europa.
3: Target departure, October 2024. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed that might, you know, be subject to weather. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we know how that goes. Target arrival 2030.
4: It's booking. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to send our own message in a bottle, 2001. So our name is inscribed in 1 100th one the size of a human hair by a laser onto a gold plating around the unmanned probe that nasa is sending to collect samples and data about europa check the situation with the atmosphere what the water is like and what the signs of life would be for earth and the potential habitability they're also i mean they got a great website on it folks go check out the page for europa clipper you can double click on all the instrument panels do 360s and and explore this whole beautiful unmanned probe that we're gonna be rocking out with for six years.
3: The amount of water that Europa has uh, with this 120-ish kilometer, uh, region of ice and water is so much water that if you took all the surface water on the, the surface of the earth and you compared the amounts of water, Europa would have almost uh, two times as much water as earth does on its surface. And so this is just so exciting for us to think about the amount, you know, wherever we look for life on, on the earth and where we would find life, there's water. And so this just tells us that there's this really potentially habitable environment there. Yay. So...
4: We can look at that node from home sweet home here at Clavius. We can look out in the sky and see that little dot slowly peeking oh, out. I gotta
3: put something straight for all y'all fools out on the internet here. <laughs> it's clavius Base, not Clavius. <laughs> ha, clavius, not <laughs> Clavius? Heard, heard a bunch of you clowns calling it clavius Base. <laughs> <laughs> I just got to say, no, that's incorrect.
4: It's not a potato-potato <laughs> kind of... This isn't Star Wars. We don't have two different pronunciations <laughs> for every name. So, Even Leonard Rossiter with a Russian accent says Clavius. <laughs> well, where are you all off to? Up
0: or down? Oh. We're going home. We've uh, just spent three months
3: calibrating the new antenna, Chilenka.
0: What about you? I'm just on my way up to
1: Clavius oh i know
3: mm-hmm. oh
1: well uh, dr floyd i hope you don't think i'm being too inquisitive but perhaps you can clear up the great big mystery about what has been going on up there i'm afraid i don't know what you mean well it's just that for the past uh, two weeks some extremely odd things have been happening at clears oh really yes, yes, yes
3: there it is folks just <laughs> had to set that one straight <laughs> <laughs> New no skins for me, Mama. I'm off to Clavius Base. Clavius Base was
4: the former base that we built. Clavius Base on top. <laughs> yeah, they're still clearing to Clavius their way up from the ruins. Yeah, I Clavius was written by an ancient emperor on the moon. <laughs> Clavius is just—it's—it is a murder of words. <laughs> irregardless, some may oh, misunderestimate us at Clavius. <laughs> Oftentimes? <laughs> <laughs> it's very unique. <laughs> From
3: Clavius Base, this is Brad. And I'm Wes. signing off. Thank you. Say goodbye.
2: All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.